0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an Jew. And of course, the brains of the operation, Mr. Jesse Back. You could find him on Twitter at Planet underscore fatness. Did I say back that time?
1: You said back that time. You you, you had such a good streak for so many shows,
0: I, and you took I, the Matt Kelly route this show. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? I'm going to edit it out in post, which means I'm not going to touch it from here. So, Jesse, you got an email recently from eBay Noting you of some changes that are taking place. And when you text me, you said that usually they take, what, two steps forward and one step back. And this time, maybe it was slightly better. Uh, Yeah, I I think I mentioned
1: I I think I mentioned one step forward, two steps back in terms. Is that what it
0: was? Okay, and I can't even read. Yeah,
1: dyslexia uh, getting to you just like it gets to me. Um, So. Today was uh, it was it was it was a big deal. Um, Nate, you mentioned me as the as the brains of the show. Today I feel like more of the the corpse of the show because um, I just got off uh, a, a week off a week straight off uh, working overnight. so I feel like absolute hell right now. but um, uh, while uh, while I was napping today for my for my seventh and final overnight uh, shift for this week, I got a very pleasant email from eBay um, that stated that for sellers who have a no return policy, um, eBay's been very pro buyer ever since um, this new uh, cor- like corporate management uh, team came in. Whenever they whenever they came in, they've been very pro buyer and and haven't really been on the on the seller's side for too many cases. They've actually made a, a pretty seller-friendly move um, for, especially for sellers who uh, refuse to take back any returns. So before um, before this announcement was made, a buyer could return could return a card or whatever up to 30 days after receiving the card in the mail from the seller, even if the seller doesn't accept returns. Um, now they have they they definitely substantially shortened the window of the of the return time that a buy that a buyer can at least submit a return request to the seller and to eBay. Um, and reason being for the return it, it the return should be because the item doesn't match the description that the seller put in the listing that's that's the reason that a whole return should happen but as we all know i'm sure i'm sure most of us have been in the in the card game for at least a couple months now i'm sure you yourself or a friend or someone you know online has has experienced a return based off a uh, buyer's remorse and based off of a card's price going down within 30 days after the buyer paying for it so ebay's new policy is if the seller doesn't offer returns, if they don't accept returns, but the buyer still wants to make a return because whatever, the, the card doesn't, you know, match the, the description that this that the seller put up. The buyer has a three calendar day window after delivery to request a return f- um, back to the buyer and for a full refund. Um, this is a really big deal because it, um, it it try it kind of deters um, remorse buying and remorse buyers from even getting the card in the first place, or just completely, you know, wanting to to cut their losses immediately and just get get the refund just to get the money back. When a card, like let's say let's say player X tears their ACL a day or a week after the buyer gets the card, um, all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna see those place those prices plummet immediately. Um, and panic sellers start to sell, so panic buyers are going to want a panic return. Um, so this kind of prevents that practice from happening. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't quite change as much when sellers actually do accept returns. Um, if if a seller offers a fourteen day return policy, um, it's it it's gone down. It's still gone down. The the buyer still had a thirty day window to return it after the card was delivered. Um, But now it's actually back down to 14 days, like what it's supposed to be. Um, And then if a seller offers a 30 or 60 day return policy, nothing, nothing changed there. But this is, this is a very positive step that eBay took. And I think reason being is that um, I, I don't think sellers had much say in this per se, but um, just because I, eBay really hasn't been listening to many of its sellers for for quite a while, for quite a few years. Um, but they're seeing that there are more and more platforms that are having a lot of success, like Starstock and MySlabs and other competitors where people aren't even using eBay altogether and they aren't even listing on eBay altogether just because they run into this issue so many times. I've run into this myself. I've run into this where I've had I've had a card returned um, maybe 28 days after the buyer received it because he was complaining about scratches on the case that were very that were very evident in the picture that I listed on the card and four weeks after getting it that's when that's when he requests the, the return it's, it's happened to me um, I'm sure it's happened to, to many of our listeners as well um, but I, I think it was, this is like long overdue for eBay to take action, but I'm happy that they finally did something.
0: Look, it returning a card because a player got injured is shady as shit. I got to believe that it's not one listener in this audience that would do that. There's no listeners in our audience that would do that. If you do do that, delete this podcast and get the hell out of here. Cause that is absolute turncoat horse shit malarkey. we don't do that. Okay. Look, you make a purchase, you stick with it. All right? There's a lot of stuff you stick with, but you stick with that. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a good policy. I I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. I understand the buyer's remorse thing. Trust me. I I <laughs> I've we've all been I there. I get it. I've been there. I've 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 been in that exact scenario
1: where a player's gotten injured a week after a week after I bought the card. I would never do something like
0: that. Listen, you know what? Because I feel like I can be honest with you. This is my therapy. There's a large listening audience. They like to preview into the life. I recently bought a truck and then said, I don't want the truck now. I had buyer's remorse. I (laughs) swear to God, this was like two weeks ago. I went through the whole thing of getting my vehicle looked at, trade in, had thought about it, signed a document that basically said I was going to buy the vehicle, went home that night, was talking to my wife, and I'm like, this feels wrong. This isn't for me. This isn't all these things went through my head. And then I essentially called the guy the next day and said, Hey man, look, I know we talked about it. I know I agreed to it, but it's off. The difference is there was no transaction of money. And that's the fucked up part of it. It's one thing to make a verbal agreement because I know you've had some incidents with this on like Instagram or other places where you've agreed on a price with somebody on a card And then suddenly they pull the rug out from under you because I think that's a whole other parallel topic that sort of feeds into the same mentality of in the world of handshakes, you need to stick to your handshake unless you're buying a truck that you didn't want, Jesse.
1: I think a a truck is a slightly different uh, circumstance here just because, like you said, there was there was no money transacted. There was no money changed hands. And uh, you're going to use that thing every day. For a long time for for a good while. So that's uh, that's uh, it's not quite an investment, but it's something that you're going to have to use over and over and over again. Um, whereas, you know, what, what we're looking at here is we, we need to we need to approach everything that we that we buy or a lot of what we buy with with a long term outlook.
0: Well, let me ask you this because this does parallel topics. The other day, you had mentioned to me that you had a an incident with a seller. You guys had agreed upon a price on a card, and then suddenly some things had changed. When you're building relationships with other sellers online, obviously this does a lot to erode sort of your respect or your willingness to ever engage with somebody again. If you guys agree upon a price and then that price suddenly changes, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, I can be. I. I- if, if I'm not mistaken, I think I know the scenario, the exact scenario that you're talking about where um, there was a very uh, rare, probably honestly, probably the best A.J. Brown card out there. I'm sure if you search on eBay for five or 10 minutes, you're probably going to find it. And I've been in talks with that seller on Instagram um, to get a deal done. I was maybe I was a day away from accepting his his price that he was offering to me off ebay and when i went to accept it um he said oh yeah I, I have a friend who's who who's expressing some very serious interest in the card and you know he's getting into aj brown collecting and you know um i i mean with all due respect to you like i know you really want this card but like you know i kind of i i want to see if my friend's able to get it and um and I, I just let him know you know as as soon as like if if he changes his mind or whatever i'm still good for the price that that we Agreed upon like honestly like no hard feelings, but if, if they're not into it I am so just just give me a shout whenever um, if that ever happens Maybe a month later not even I see the card listed on eBay for $1,500 above what he had it listed for originally and uh, I reached back out to him again, and I'm like alright, so what happened to that friend and I'm guessing that that price is out the window, right? And he he saw he saw the message, but he never reached back out to me. And he seemed like a good dude. Like he uh, the the story was crazy of how he pulled that of, of how he got that card. He um maybe a like around AJ Brown's rookie year in 2019 when when the set was released. Um, he just kind of bought he would buy into breaks in a random 2019 football set breaks, and he got this card and. I think he was invested in it for like maybe 200, $250 with grading included. So he graded the card and it gemmed. Um, so that's, that substantially uh, increased the value of the card. In addition to AJ Brown's performance, obviously increasing his entire market altogether. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of, that kind of stings, especially if you're looking to, it's one thing if it's, if, if you're looking to make money off it, but that's a guy I collect. And if I had that card, I would, I'm not going to lie. I would sell every other AJ Brown card to be able to have that card. Or like if I had to part with my entire AJ Brown collection, just to get that card, I probably would just because I think it's that nice of a card. Um, but it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. If you're, if you're a collector of that player and, and the other, the, the other party knows that you're a collector, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a smack in the face. Um, and the price, and you know, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth if I, if I ever really truly want to buy at that price and it's just, it, it, it's, it's pretty unreasonable. Like he has to have Calvin Johnson career ending numbers, um, to make it worthwhile in the long run. So, you know, I mean, even as a collector, you don't want to, you want uh, your purchases to, to make sense in the long run. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Like just, you know, kind of, I don't know, like it's, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, especially if if you guys had, um, you know, if if you came to the same conclusion and maybe seller changes mind or in, in other cases, if the buyer changes their mind, like it just, yeah, you you don't really want to transact with that, with that person too much anymore.
0: I, I wouldn't want to Jesse. And I do want to say this, speaking of bad taste in the mouth, I, this show, for the listening audience that's going to hear this in the big public universe, they're not going to notice a difference. But to the patrons, to the good patrons of the show, the people that matter the very, very most of the whole classification of people, I wholeheartedly apologize for the delay and release of this episode. I do. Jesse's a busy man. He's got a funky schedule, especially now. He's a zombie. So we appreciate having him. I, so I, I'm apologizing on behalf of Jesse and myself. We will make sure that we get you episodes in the future because I know I had a bunch of private messages. People were like, "Hey, man, what happened to the episode?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I tried to explain what happened, but it's just never good enough. It, it just always feels wrong." But again, if we didn't have Jesse on this show, I don't really know what this would be. So Jesse, question for you: Let's talk about let's let's talk some NBA. I know you want to talk NBA. I want to talk NBA. Before we talk it, though, we should probably talk about underdog NBA. It's it's pretty important fact. They still have NBA pickems, right? Even though some teams have been eliminated. Sorry, Jesse. I, I mean, I, again, I'm not a Portland Trailblazers fan. They got eliminated. You can pick any two to five player props to parlay together, and you can win up to 20 times on your entry, multiple types of games, the over-under. Pick whether a player is going to go over or under a given stat line in their game. They have rivals. Pick which player between the two of them will have more of a given stat line in their game. Some players will be given a line boost indicated by the plus and the number below the picture. It is not available in all states. As we have mentioned before, there's an active promo code for $25 bonus cash for new players who deposit using the code Underworld. Jesse, I think Ben Simmons is probably hiding underground. Explain yourself. Defend Ben Simmons... And the last handful of playoff games that we witnessed from him where he put together less than 10 points in three consecutive games, Philly gets bounced by Atlanta.
1: No, I will not defend Ben Simmons here.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: I don't think you can find many people who can defend him. Um, I've been a Ben defender, a Ben Simmons defender for a couple years. Um very close friends of mine who follow, um, they, they watch every single Sixers game more religiously than I do, um, have been defending him nonstop. They've, they've been calling the Rudy Gobert defensive player of the year selection. Absolute bullshit, which I agree. I think that's absolute bullshit because Ben Simmons defends the best player in the court, almost every single game. Um, and he does it fairly admirably before Trey young. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know how this is kind of turning into a Sixers conversation. I don't know how we could ever move forward with someone who's just a complete liability on offense. And in, especially in the fourth quarter, your team is essentially playing four on five. Um, You're, you're essentially playing shorthand. And when it, when it comes to crunch time in big games, Um, the dude's afraid to take the ball. Like, I'm seeing these crazy stats of obviously. Besides his free throw, we could talk about the free throw percentage later. But when the guy takes three shots in the fourth quarter for the entire series, I mean, he made all of them because they were probably within six inches of the basket. But (laughs) (laughs) but but uh, I mean, if he doesn't want the ball because he knows. When it comes to crunch time in big games, he's just going to get hacked. But I just, he was that, that, I don't, Nate, I don't know if how closely you watched the game yesterday. No, I know you're, t- I know what you're talking about. He was under the hoop. He basically had a layup. Dude, I, I was watching the, All right, we had like 10 minutes downtime at work last night. This game was going on when I was at work and I was watching with my colleague and he passes it to Thibault. And Thibault gets, Theibel gets ejected. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so he goes to the line, though.
1: Yeah, Thibault goes to the line. But but I'm thinking to myself, like, wait, Ben Simmons was fucking, like, 18 inches from the hoop. What the fuck happened? And I, I saw post-game, he was saying that, oh, yeah, I thought, uh, thought Gallinari was, I thought he was sneaking up behind me, and you know, I want to get rid of the ball. Uh, bullshit. That's bullshit. You, dude, you do not, I mean, even if, even if you got an and one dude, you don't want to like, at least give your give, try to give your team the opportunity for a three point play. Like if he made that, that could, that could have been, that was like the game right there. That single play was the game. Um, I I've, I've heard I, Nate, I've told you beforehand, I've, I've listened to Steven a's, um, analysis on Ben. He's always been, he's been a Ben defender for a while. Um, even listening last night after the game, when, and uh, Stephen A is a big Philly guy. He's been working in Philadelphia for a long time before before going fully at a full time at ESPN. Um I, he basically said if, if Ben Simmons had an, an adequate to above average jump shot, he would be LeBron James. Um that's that's slight that's that's far fetched to me. I wouldn't I wouldn't say LeBron, uh, but I could see him being t- uh, Tatum Plus with a good jump shot. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when you get a good jump shot, you can, like, if you just... All right, start at the free throw line. Just just practice free throws. Practice nothing else all off-season but free throws. And then when you're actually good, when you're actually adequate at free throws, then you can maybe get a little bit of confidence with a jump shot. If you get a little bit of confidence with a jump shot, maybe you can get a little confidence with a three-point shot, too. So... I just I don't quite know where we can go from here. I've been hearing trade rumors here and there about you know maybe shipping him if if the, if the Trailblazers are dumb enough to to take him for and and give up McCollum. I I think Sixers fans right now that would that would be we would be in d- defense hell from there, but we would take it just for the offense.
0: That that's the thing because Portland Portland's perpetually looking for a defender. And year over year, the excuse of Portland is injuries. Obviously, you've got Embiid, the man of glass, so you've got plenty of injuries to worry about on your own. But I've heard the Ben Simmons trade rumors. I've heard the thing to Portland. I know Portland's planning on I, Portland is going to blow it up, just like Philly is probably going to do something here pretty soon as well. Like, th- this won't stand. I mean... Philly has a much shorter leash based on fan base, based on history, based on pressure. Portland, on the other hand, not so much pressure, but you finally fire your head coach. Been there a long time. Dame Lillard is saying he wants Jason Kidd for his head coach. Jason Kidd says, hey, Dame, sorry, now that you've asked for me, I'm not coming. So we don't know who the head coach is going to be in Portland. Nobody wants to go to Portland. We already know this. We've talked about this. They are a small market team that has a top 12 player in the league and watch, nobody's going to go there. Nobody's fucking going to go there. I mean, history will repeat itself as it has before. You can follow it back, you know, take it back to Brandon Roy, take it back before that. Even with these like notable players there, guys that drive the city, nobody wants to play there. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, is a really good player. It's just it feels like he hasn't quite lived up to that hype. I mean, in a lot of ways to me, it kind of feels like the Dwight Howard thing where I always thought that Dwight Howard was going to be like this transcendent talent and he never quite hit that cap. But with Ben Simmons, you're right, like not taking these shots. I mean, LeBron's been chastised before for being a facilitator, but we know he's, he's a great passer. I mean, an all-time great passer. But in Ben Simmons' defense, man, good defender, good rebounder, good passer, can score as a number one overall pick previously. Is there just too much expectation? Is that really what this is?
1: Um, yes. And I mean, yes, but I mean, if you look at how he's played ever since cuz he he was out all of 2016, his rookie year. So, from 2017 on, dude, his shots regressed.
0: <laughs> is it like
1: he's actually he's gotten worse from college. Um, could that I mean, it's it's going to be really tough for for Philadelphia to be able to get something of adequate value for him, unless if we pair him with maybe one of our um, young, young up and coming players, maybe like a Tyrese Maxey, which I don't Philly doesn't want to let go of him. I don't want to let go of him, but it might have to be done if, if we need, if we want to make some sort of an upgrade for the team um, or if somehow some team has enough cap space to, to take on Tobias as well, if we have to sweeten the pot there, but I don't, I don't know any team that has enough cap space for that um it might uh, we might have to you know stick with him because we don't have any other choice but there's there's no way he can he can play at the one like there is no way he can play at the one i maybe if if you kind of put him beat at the perimeter for most of the time and kind of give his give his legs a rest so he doesn't have to quite run the full court and keep and keep simmons down low i mean they'll probably still hack him every which way whenever he gets the ball down there but I mean, he could he can still kick it out from the four, and uh, I'm I'm sure he would he would probably be far more successful playing at the four as opposed to the one. Again, like you said, he's a great passer. I think I think he has multi-year Defensive Player of the Year potential. Like I, I it's not we say we kind of throw around the word potential. Like no, it's it, it's more of like almost like an inevitability. Like he can do it. Um, but just I don't know like. For the city of Philadelphia, for for the Sixers, we need a good shooter and leader all around, and he is neither of those things. So it would be ideal to get rid of him. Um, my like, it's never going to happen, and he's probably not going to leave LA. But I would I would give up a nut for Kawhi Leonard, um, if if we can somehow get him over here. I don't think he's going to leave LA. I've but then again, I don't know. I've heard reports before going into the bubble that when his contract was up in L.A., he was he was probably going to walk. I mean, with the playoff performance now, it, it's it's probably looking far different. But I I don't know. I you know a, a man can dream. But I mean,
0: Kawhi has walked before, so it wouldn't be the first time. That's true. Uh, I mean, I appreciate you your willingness to give up a testicle in the name of. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. You do PC Kawhi Leonard, which brings me to my question about Ben Simmons. He'll be 25 years old next month, which is uber young by NBA measures. Former first-round pick, number one pick overall. There's a chance that he gets traded, and it could be a fresh start. Is Are his rookie cards worth chasing right now? I mean, is this the low point of the price of them? Where are we at?
1: I knew you were going to go there. This are doing uh, it. Ben, <laughs> ben Simmons cards are the absolute uh zag or zig whatever the opposite is of what everyone's doing right now that's what they are nobody's looking at us. people are people are panic offloading his cards i've i have my only ben simmons card right now i've, I've offloaded most of my cards well before uh the playoffs um for a profit but the the loan card i've left is is a first year first year optic it was a 2016 optic hollow um ben simmons psa 10. That card, I checked the price as of this morning. It's 50% of what I bought it at. Um, not great, but um, it, I'm sure there are... there. I am more than confident there will still be Ben Simmons defenders from here on out, and if maybe you get him in the right situation, get him with the right coach, get maybe the world's best sports psychologist on him, which he clearly needs if, if, if his confidence is shot. Um, maybe he'll develop something. Maybe he'll Maybe he'll be—I don't know—an adequate shooter. But I like the way I'm seeing his shot right now. His, like his shot is like beyond Rondo broken. It's like it's it's so bad. It's so bad.
0: It's funny that you bring up Rondo because I do. I, I see so many parallels to their game right now, in, in just so many ways, it's like facilitator, defender, rebounder, passer, shot is just in the shitter at times. I mean, I I don't know, man. I I think about his rookie cards, and I guess I'd have to go back and historically look at guys that have had a resurgence. Because, again, he hasn't been that bad. I mean, really hasn't been that bad. His numbers are actually pretty good. I mean, short of, obviously, the shooting's been bad, the fourth quarter production, the lack of, you know, the fear clearly has taken over him. But the sports psychologist thing. uh, This is way off tangent. Do you remember Rick Ankiel? Does that name ring a bell?
1: Yep. Yeah. The the pitcher turned power hitter for the, for the Cardinals. Yep.
0: Right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. This guy can no longer throw a fastball down the middle of the plate. He couldn't throw strikes. Uh, Is that, is that why, is that why, is that who it is? Is that why he changed to, to outfield? Is that why? I think this is, I I think it's either Rick Ankiel. See now, now we're live and we're doing this, but I'm just going to keep going. It's either Rick Ankiel or Mark Wollers. Can anybody remember this?
1: it's uh, i could i could see it being Ankiel cuz i like i i feel like his career was in the shitter after he he couldn't make it as a pitcher
0: i think it was ankyl yeah i think what it was is ankyl couldn't throw a strike anymore and no matter what sports psychologist he went to or whatever voodoo or weed that he smoked or whatever he did it didn't work and he was yeah he was forced to go to the outfield or, or try to make it as a as a positional player outside of pitching cuz he couldn't throw strikes Anyways, don't send Ben Simmons to whoever he worked with is what I'm trying to say. That's the long and short of it. Don't send Ben Simmons to that sports psychologist. All right, Jesse, we talked a lot of basketball. I would like to talk more in depth because off air we were talking about Patrick Ewing and uh, the the greats that played for the Dream Team. Chris Mullins' name got dropped. I mean...
1: Reggie Miller played his whole career in Indiana. Good God, bless that man. Reggie
0: Miller. I mean, yeah, yeah, fucking Indiana. Indiana, Yeah. if you're a listener to this show And you live in Indiana, explain to me why Reggie Miller stayed around that long Constantly getting his ass handed to him By the fucking Knicks and the Bulls And whatever other teams were out there in the East Just ready to shred you at a moment's notice Unfortunate, very, very unfortunate, Jesse Fortunately, though, we have some patron questions And I do want to get to these There are some good patron questions here um, patreon.com forward slash I'm Outrage. To those of you that are in the listening audience that would like to join the party, join the community or jump in one of these chat rooms, uh, the Discord chats. We've got a lot of smart people. and They're just constantly talking cards. I'm just blown away by the activity of this group. Um, John Cole. This one's a good question for you, Jesse. With draft season approaching, do you think there will be any mirroring with ADP value? When ADP increases for player X... Will that card value rise as well? I think this is
1: kind of a chicken or the egg question. Um, I'm sure that once maybe when you're in the thick of draft season and because I, I I know there are plenty of football card collectors and investors who first and foremost play fantasy football, and that's what helped them. That's what helped them drive, you know, uh, steer them towards the football card market, Um. I think inevitably when, when you see pretty much anybody go in the first round of a draft, their card prices are probably going to go up. Um, but I guess somewhat intuitively as, I mean, as the season goes on or as the season, uh, nears and, you know, hype reports, uh, beat, beat reports are, are coming out of training camp or, or, uh, you know, guys running around in shorts. Um, hype hype starts to to factor into the prices so i i think i think hype hype alone probably helps prices and adp as well so maybe maybe we're we're talking about a third factor here but i'm sure adp does not hurt prices um it'd be interesting to see like a a one for one correlation between between the two um but I mean, we we probably don't say this enough, and and I, I don't quite collect them myself, Nate. I know you collect Kyler, but um, I mean, quarterbacks are king in in the football card market. I don't think that's ever going to change. So just because you know quarterback X, who is probably going to have a uh, an above average season, um, is getting drafted in the fifth or sixth or seventh round in a single quarterback league, um, Saquon's Saquon Barkley's prices are probably going to be a fraction of that quarterback's prices just because of how quarterbacks are seen in the football card market. So you have to think of it positionally, um, as well. And I mean, you know, even, even somebody like, like Camara, who is going to be like a, a, a first round pick in, in redraft or, or, or at the very least he'll go by the, by the top of the second or mid second. Um, I mean, he, like he, his, his prices are going to, are going to, you know, start to go up as the, as the season nears, but I mean, he's he's going to be way cheaper than the than the highest priced wide receiver, even if he's getting drafted before that wide receiver. So, it's just how the market goes. But um, I'm I'm sure that there is some sort of a correlation between ADP and uh, and cost of a player's rookie cards.
0: I totally agree, Jesse. Not to not to run this back, but I do want to say. Uh, I just got in my earpiece, I got some information from the guys in the back and they said that Rick Ankiel did have control issues and had to switch <laughs> positions. Uh, but it was actually Mark Wohler's, uh, the other name, the latter of the two names that was mentioned. And they just sent me... Hold on. Okay. They just sent me a message, (laughs) and it's from Wikipedia about Mark Wollers, and I would like to read this because for the listening audience, this is some important shit right here. You can drop this knowledge on somebody. Wollers' success would not last forever. In game four in the 1996 World Series against the New York Yankees, Wollers gave up a stunning three-run home run to Jim Leyritz that tied the game at six. After this, the momentum of the series shifted, and the Yankees won it in six games. Fuck the Yankees. Many observed that Wollers was never the same after that. In 1998, he seemed to lose his ability to control his pitches. He spent part of the season at Triple A Richmond, but still finished the season with a major league earned run average of 10.18. Good his guy. control problems were dramatic. In 20 and one third major league innings, Wooler's walked 33 batters. After being sent down to Triple A, walked 36 batters in only 12 and one third innings. His symptoms were a prime example of what is commonly known as Steve Blass disease, a psychological block which manifests itself when baseball players overthink the act of throwing a baseball and consequently become unable to throw with any sort of control. The Associated Press called him the 1990s poster child for Steve Blass syndrome.
1: Boom. Did we just... All right, we either either pumped Waller's cards... (laughs) from here on just giving him this airtime or we killed them all together
0: i mean this is this is it man sometimes i do the show and i feel like i've got steve blast disease so i know the feeling all right (laughs) reed Saito says i know you guys don't like ripping whoa reed who the hell said we don't like ripping
1: maybe not the best investment uh you know it, it might not hurt to to keep a box of sealed wax here and there. But yeah, it is great. it is very fun. It is probably one of the most fun things you can do
0: in the hobby. Aggressive wording, Reed. Aggressive. I know you guys don't like ripping, but any insight or historical reference about when it's the best time to buy boxes of prism or optic football? Is it during dead times of the offseason like now, or when the new boxes get released?
1: This Perfect. is a really this is a very tough question. Um, because interestingly enough. Uh, a lot of base and even a lot of the base and silver market is going down right now for modern players. Um, But interestingly enough, wax is is going up. Um, I don't, I I can't explain that um, because maybe the cards that are going down in value are the just about best case scenario. You can pull from that wax box. Uh, I don't, I don't get it, but, um it seems to be a lot of a lot of wax products seem to be going up in price. The best times to buy. i I would say the best time to buy is definitely not when the product is first released. Um, just because the hype, that's when the hype uh, is just about at an all-time high, unless if it's an all-time draft class, um, and then people will look back five years from now, realize how good the class was, just like, we look at the 2014 wide receiver class class in fantasy. Um, it took a couple of years for us to realize how good that class was. So the same thing can happen there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy right away. So that's that's probably a more that's probably a, the, one of the best answers I can give you. Um, maybe you could probably wait maybe two months or so after the product is released, especially if there is a new product that's coming right after it. So let's say, let's say like optic is coming out. Right. And then, uh, two or three months after optic, that's when prism is released. It might not be the worst idea to buy up an optic box right before the prism release, just because people are going to be looking to buy Prism boxes and people are going to forget about optic right there. So, um, that might not be the worst time and just try to, you know, follow eBay prices. And I'm sure, there are other resources. Not, I'm not sure if CardLitter follows um, modern uh, Wax uh, quite like Sports Card Investor does. Um, but I'm sure you can you can see Sports Card Investor's data um, if you have a membership with them and uh, track Wax prices, um, and then just see if they if they start, you know, flatlining and they stabilize after maybe for a month straight. That might not be the worst time to to actually buy that product.
0: So we got one here from Stan. Stan is a new patron, also has a pretty wicked collection of cards, which he has shared with me. Impressive, Jesse. I know he's hit you up. He says, have you ever submitted under one level of service assuming a card would get a 9 or a 10 grade and lost money because it got an 8 and doesn't have the value to cover the cost of grading? Does this happen?
1: So for me personally, I... um Ever since I got back into the hobby, I haven't gotten back a single grading submission. Um, uh, actually, no, that's a lie. I got I got a single card that I bought raw on Starstock. I submitted it, or I asked them to to submit it when they just opened their their PSA submission um, uh, member membership or process, and the card got an eight. Uh, so it's probably worth uh, just about as much, if not a little bit less than what I paid for at Raw. So, not great. Um, yeah, it's happened to me. It's happened to uh, plenty of other people that I know. Um, as PSA clears their backlog, I am more than certain it's going to happen to, it's probably going to continue to happen to me on a, at least a couple of cards, and probably to some of our listeners as well. And I'm sh- I'm more than sure we're going to see a good amount of PSA 8s hit ebay maybe all at once as july comes around when psa clears their backlog and those cards are probably going to be the same price that um each of those uh the people that submitted them to psa it's going to be at the same price that they bought those cards raw so not great so people will end up inevitably losing money on on those uh on those cards so that's just honestly just moving forward be careful and be very selective with what you grade
0: There you go. You heard it there first. Uh, Jesse tells no lies. Jesse, jam-packed episode. Way more NBA than we normally do. We're going to have to just do a variety show where we actually talk NBA because I would like to talk at length about some things that have taken place in the league over the past couple years and dive into it. It's a fun topic. I like sports topics. People are looking for actionable content. They got that as well. Jesse, I know you still have to work. You look like you also need to sleep. Uh, appreciate you coming on here. Apologize for getting your name wrong. Sorry to the patrons for the late delay on the episode. Who else we need to apologize to? Anybody else?
1: Uh, wa- Wallers. Wallers. Yeah, Mark Wallers yeah, for Mark blowing Wall.
0: him up. Right, we blew him up, and then also Rick Ankiel. Yeah, we dragged him
1: uh, down too. Yeah, yeah,
0: both of them. Mm-hmm. So, but you know what, Steve Blast Disease is now. So. Take that with you guys uh, on your next sports conversation with your buddies at the bar. All right, Jesse, thanks for coming on, and we will be back next week on Clear the Cash.